know if any of you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times? Well, apparently, honeybees are just disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them. All right, let's hear some theories about why this might be happening. Nobody? You're not interested in what happened to the bees? all the teachers the administration makes us teach with a foot of snow on the ground what is this there appears to be an event happening homeland security and the cdc has reported attacks boston philadelphia maryland white house officials claims the cia has a defense against chemical weapons i don't know everyone's dead outside what's going on we lost contact with whom everyone the government's testing something now it went wrong the affected area now includes california the authorities are not feeling by the sheer numbers of attacks that a terrorist group being responsible is becoming less and less likely will come up with some reason to put in the books. But in the end, it'll be just a theory. We will fail to acknowledge that there are forces at work beyond our understanding. Do they call this a movie? Testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast and iTunes on the podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damey Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamey.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Damey. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. Hello. Has there ever been a movie? That uh, you could pinpoint as the low point of a director's run than sort of the one we just watched. I don't know. I think he's got a lot in the running. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say he's more, he's way more off than on. No, I'm just saying, like, I was talking to co-workers and we said it's like a steady decline from Sixth Sense, you know, down and the happening is like the bottom. I think there's people in the Lady in the Water camp that would disagree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think after this, this that was before that was 2006. Okay. It's all, it's all shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, right. are ma- there are many, there are many levels of that, uh, of the low. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. And and then it's kind of strange where he, he has, like you said, the sixth sense signs. And then like he had that movie devil, which was, I wonder if it was because it's competent compared to, lady in the water and the movie we will be talking about tonight 
where it's just like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't too bad. But then it's kind of just like you're you're measuring up to these other failures of movies, and that's why. Yeah, I feel like he didn't direct that. Was that producing? I think he produced it. Okay, so that I just remember seeing his name on the uh, on the marquee. You could be right though. I don't remember. That was that time when like it was really hip to have directors quote unquote present movies. Like, Eli Roth's Hostel, I think, was presented by Quentin Tarantino, which meant absolutely nothing. It was just something that they could say <laughs> in the trailer. Yeah. Did he, did he hand the film off to the guy in the projector? <laughs> Probably. Is that, is that what project, presented mean? Yeah. Here you go. Put that on the reel. He was on He was on set for a grand total of 10 minutes. Yeah. And then uh, he, he got to put his name on there. He said yes. either action or rap. <laughs> yeah so devil was not directed by him but it's a story by credit he gets okay but before we get into this week's movie we know that mark did not watch a movie this week nope. and so we're gonna go right to dan dan what did you watch this week all right so uh i'll, I'll keep it brief because uh, i watched a ton of movies but uh just a few notable ones i watched the bone collector for the first time with denzel and angelina jolie and I think Ed O'Neill is in it. Yeah, Ed O'Neill. Very good cast. I can't believe it took me this long to watch it. It was so good. And it's a movie where Denzel never leaves the room. He's yeah. stuck in a bed, and it's it's so good. Easiest and, movie he's ever had to do. <laughs> <laughs> just collect the paycheck. Angelina Jolie was really good in it. And I kind of had to eat my words, because prior to watching that, we, Jen and I were sitting down, and I was like, ah, you know, like Denzel's awesome, obviously. I was like, yeah, I'm not really a, a big Angelina Jolie fan. And Jen was surprised. Well, really? Like, she, I think she's great. Like, yeah, you know, not so much for me. But she was really good in this movie, so I kind of had to eat crow there. I watched that. And then that led me into a little bit of a Angelina Jolie kick where I watched Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which not very good, but, you know, two beautiful people are in it. So I enjoyed it for the most part. I watched that. I watched the Leviathan with Peter Wellers and Daniel Stern. Whenever I see Daniel Stern in a movie, I'm like, oh yeah, he's done more things than Home Alone movies. <laughs> yeah, like Chud. <laughs> Chud, yeah. <laughs> we watched that at your your parents' house. Yeah. I didn't, I, forever, I just thought that was a Simpsons gag. Nope. So Home Alone is really a Chud reunion between him and uh, the dad. And yeah, that's right. I forgot he's also in it. <laughs> that's the most weird... important thing to take away from Home Alone. <laughs> what, what like a weird collaboration, right? Like, <laughs> hey, remember when we were in that movie Chud? And we don't talk about Chud anymore. <laughs> I watched that. I watched Raya and the Last Dragon. It just became available on Disney+. And uh, it was fine. I don't really see what all the, the hubbub was about it. I, I wonder if it's just because it's, you know, Disney stands. Mm-hmm. Was there a hubbub? It, it scored very well, and I, I saw a lot of people tweeting about it, and that's kind of why I got into it. I didn't really understand. It, it has a decent message, but I don't know. I wasn't really blown away by it. It wasn't one of their stronger movies, I think. Okay. Is that it? Again, so many, but I, I think I'm just going to leave it at those. Okay. Yeah, so I watched a bunch of movies too. So preface this by saying we've taken quite a bit of time between there, this episode and the last episode we recorded because Mark can't handle going maskless anymore. So he got sick. Yeah. But before that, I watched a couple of Joe Bob's Briggs, The Last Drive-Ins, watched Spookies, 
which has very much they call this a movie potential, as does the other one I watched, Sledgehammer. Also watched Plan B, which is a Hulu movie. Uh, it was good. It's like a road movie where a girl thinks she might get might have gotten pregnant from a party the night before, so her and her best friend go take a road trip to go get the Plan B pill because they're like in North Dakota or something like that, so they have like no nearby Planned Parenthoods around so it's oddly there's a movie that's almost identical to the idea called unpregnant that came out like six months prior but she's get she has to drive really far to go to Planned Parenthood to get an abortion so it's weird that both of those movies came out relatively close to each other it's not bad it's kind of got like a you know I think similar to book smart in terms of that kind of uh relationship sort of thing it's very female driven it's not bad I wasn't the the demographic for it but it was uh, i've seen worse it's like a six and a half solid six and a half <laughs> i also watched raya and the last dragon i think i liked it a little bit more than dan but i mean it was like a seven it was cute i enjoyed it you mentioned that you didn't think the the cgi looked great i didn't think it was bad at all so yeah i, I thought it looked more like like a disney channel movie and not something that you would see in theaters but i didn't hate it it, like, you gave it a seven. I'd probably give it, like, a, a six and a half. Then I watched Mitchells versus the Machines, which you had re- talked about earlier. I like that. Probably a little bit better than I liked the Ryan the Last Dragon. That was fun to watch. And then I watched something that was not fun at all. It was Bo Burnham Inside. It's super depressing, I heard. So hey, this heard is too. hardly a comedy special. It's it's kind of like, you have to kind of separate it because it's, it's almost like a performance art piece, really. I'm pretty sure he's playing a character, but he's playing that character really well. <laughs> Is gets... this more of like a cry for help? There are points I was watching this thinking to myself, am I watching a suicide note? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. It was really well done. If you're not looking at it from a comedy special standpoint, if you're watching this as a pseudo documentary or a performance, like a performance art piece it's really interesting like the camera work is is pretty incredible for a guy who's literally just in his house by himself doing everything the cinematography is pretty excellent for that that idea he's if that's his house though it's a shitty fucking house which blows my mind where does it does he say where it takes place in like what what um, state it's probably the valley in california okay. but it's kind of a piece of shit I don't know if that's his house, but man, he's maybe that's why he's so sad. <laughs> maybe for a guy who's been as popular as he's been for a decade, and he's only thirty. I thought he was so much. I thought he was a lot older because wow, he seemed I, like he's been around for a long time. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought I, I I've heard his name a whole lot. I know he's had a bunch of specials, but I didn't realize he was all that popular. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he directed Eighth Grade, so he's like also a director. Yeah, that's he wrote awesome. and, he wrote and directed that. But it's, it was an interesting watch. Uh, I'm not really super familiar with his his stand up. I know he does like I mean, he does songs. Yeah, songs are really good. But it's if you're coming at it looking like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh for an hour and a half. Yeah, temper those expectations. If you're going into it thinking it's gonna be a funny comedy special like any other comedy special, it's not. That's right. that's what you're telling us. Right. That's a problem, no? I I listen. I guess you, you need those kinds of specials as well, because right? it can't always be just straight up stand up, you know? Yeah, it's very experimental. 
like he he plays with like the medium a lot like all of a sudden he's like there are parts where he's pretending he's like re- doing a reaction video of like the last song he just played mm-hmm. and then it repeats itself and then there's a point where he's acting like he's a twitch streamer it's it's hard to describe sometimes but it's an interesting watch if you're into kind of a experimental experience or something wholly unique i'll say i would definitely give it a try if you're a fan of his stuff too i would i would say watch it but i don't really know him much about him yeah that sounds pretty cool though if not a little depressing yeah you just gotta be in the right mind state yeah i mean i think i'm sure a lot of it is is autobiographical as well as you know a hyper version of what he may have gone through in the past year but you know it's it's very pandemic heavy because that's the reason why he's in all by himself it's interesting he's got a lot of interesting things to say in it so and then i watched the sandlot i revisited that because i do every every summer i watched the sandlot and i watched jaws i don't watch jaws yet but i watched the sandlot this week yeah jaws will be coming up soon for me as well yeah Yeah, you have three weeks till jaws right in july 4th yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but uh, it, I guess this is like the new Twitter trend where they'll say, go on Letterboxd, look up your favorite movie, and then look up its one of its lowest reviews. Yeah. So I, over dinner, I was looking at like King Kong, Jaws, the, uh, the 1989 Batman. And oh my God, it people don't, people who write the reviews clearly don't understand <laughs> movies or just how like movies age the whole yeah. the whole idea of aging so for instance king kong was just like you don't need to see this movie the special effects are crap it's 1933 man like, <laughs> don't you you should not be allowed to write anything if you leave that kind of review and, and the same thing with jaws it was like it's so outdated what do you mean it's outdated? It's 1970. It's like, of course it's going to be the, 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 the shark's not going to look like, uh, you know, like what, what's a more recent shark movie, 47 meters down or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going the to Meg. Look, the Meg. Yes. <laughs> my, one of my wife's favorite movies. You're, it's not going to look like, a, like an actual shark. And I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I think it takes a special movie. And I think, we do have a perspective of this because we do a podcast where we watch sometimes truly terrible movies. It takes a special movie to get a half a star. And that's what you're watching. You're looking at, you're looking at reviews for jaws that are half a star, right? Yes. Yep. And if you're being honest, only so many movies deserve that. And certainly no matter what you think about jaws, it is not a half a star movie. No, never in you know. no circumstance. Because I did the same thing for a couple of movies. I did Ghostbusters, which the prevailing argument was that it was misogynistic. <laughs> yeah, that, that's King Kong. King Kong was racist and misogynist. That's what um, the prevailing uh, themes were. And then Back to the Future was boring, <sighs> too much talking, and racist towards Libyans. <laughs> Who are in the they movie take, for all they of the Libyans of all the things that say racist in that movie? <laughs> yeah, I, the fact I that a know. white man discovered well, Johnny he, B. Bad for Marvin Barry. <laughs> right, that's a good point. There's also that, a choice word used at that band yeah. too. Oh, <laughs> that's right. But oh, it wasn't Billy Zane who says it, right? No, it was okay. uh, one of the other goons. Yeah. Listen, you you have to hold these movies 
under a microscope, if you're going to hold them under a microscope and you're really going to judge some of these movies for those kind of tones, movies aren't for you, I think. Like, you don't understand how things progressed and how, like, what movies were. Like, in 1933, when King Kong came out and how they treated the, the, the villagers on the island, sure, it wasn't great. Yeah, there was some misogyny in there for sure, but does that mean it's not a classic movie? No, it's still, it's the pioneer for monster movies, for special effects. It's just a good all-around all movie. I think yeah. someone had mentioned, was like, oh, you know, like how Godzilla was to Japan's nuclear holocaust, like their fear of nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. King Kong was America's fear of black people. Maybe I'm off. I was like, are they saying that, Kong was that? I don't. I don't understand 100%. I I never took that away. To me, it was always you know the underlying twas beauty that killed the beast in that movie. You know. I I don't even think that movie's about fear. No, I mean it's it's about greed. Yeah. You know, it's it's doing whatever it, it, the Carl Denham could do to become rich and famous, and that was pretty much taking this animal off of its its natural land right in, in like interfering with that so that's how i kind of took it and I, again the whole point when as i was going through these letterbox reviews i was like man a lot of people i feel like really miss the point of these movies and it kind of scares me for the future because if you're giving jaws or ghostbusters or king kong or back to the future half star reviews I don't think there's any movie out there that you like, like you're really going to love. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it makes no sense. And then uh, I, I kind of want to see what they do love. Yeah. That's usually the next step is to look and see what they actually rate high. I think that's all we got to talk about or what we watched this week. So we are going to take a quick break and listen to some ads while we'll be right back. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week, Mark picked it. Yes. So, Mark, why don't you introduce what yeah. you did? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I picked The Happening, M. Night Shyamalan classic. So, my main reason for picking this, I had down the two movies, but this was the only one of the the five Shyamalan movies I know knew, I had forgotten about Lady in the Water, that I hadn't seen. Like, I had seen Six Cent, Signs, The Village, Unbreakable. You know, and I hadn't seen the happening, but I'd heard everybody like make references and make fun of it. So I thought it would be a good thing for this podcast. And I was right for reasons that I was not expecting going in. There there are things that happen in this movie that I found more funny just watching it now rather than when it came out. So I was entertained by that. Overall, it's like we said earlier, it's down with a pile of other shit that he made. So it's not a great movie. 10, 20 minutes of it, you know, after the the cold open, I got some entertainment I was not expecting. So. Okay. So you, this is your first time watching it. Yes. What did you expect? Well, I knew the twist because that's the joke everyone makes. It's um, not really much of a twist, though, is it? It's just the well, not a twist, but resolution. Meaning, yeah. But what, yeah, I yeah, get but, in in terms yeah. of M Night Shyamalan worlds, everything has yeah. to be a twist. Yeah. And yeah, essentially. What I was expecting it to be would be a little more of a, like, that they didn't figure it out so quickly, that it was just something that would be that stupid Shyamalan thing where it's, like, in the last 10 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. like, Mark Warburg just looks up and goes, ugh, it's the plants, or, you know, something like that, and that was it. 
<laughs> but yeah. them figuring out so early made it a whole different movie than I thought. And it was also funny that for those of us, those people that watch this movie that do not live in, in or around the state of Pennsylvania realized that there is a whole lot of nothing between the two major cities in that state. And they made a good use of that mm-hmm. and felt very realistic for towns and stuff that I've driven through up and back from college. So that that was a lot of fun. You could really tell it was a guy from that area that knew how vast nothing is in, is in that part of the state. Okay. Dan, what about you? Where are you coming from with The Happening? So I've seen this movie one other time. And, you know, I wasn't really dreading watching this movie because it's really silly just in in terms of how bad it is. I keep waiting for some brave soul and maybe it's happened and I haven't seen it, but I keep waiting for some brave soul to drop that hot take like, you know, the happening is really a misunderstood masterpiece. And then for that discussion to come in where he or she emboldens others to be like, yeah, you know, that movie's awesome because... This, because people have terrible takes on Twitter and all that, and I'm just, I'm waiting for the, this movie to enter that chat, right? Because you have, like, what's a big one? Like the Amazing Spider-Man movies, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, Andrew Garfield, we we love him as as Peter Parker, and those movies are masterpieces. And it's like, well, no, it's bad for a reason. And this movie is bad for a reason. I'm surprised everyone involved with this movie was able to shake off the stink of it, you know? Sure. And yeah, this is the type of film that literally should have ruined some careers. Mm-hmm. It's poorly acted, poorly written, sometimes poorly shot. And I, I agree with you, Mark, where not only do they figure out what's going on pretty quickly, the 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 resolution is brought on by like a throwaway character. It's not yeah. Wahlberg or Zoe de Chanel who figures out that it's you yeah. know it's the, the trees <laughs> it's it's hot dog guy <laughs> yeah. and it, I think first of all obviously everyone out there knows about the twist with the plants and the trees talking and doing this and I really I found myself wishing that it would have been anything else that was doing this. you know like like maybe like a meteor passes over and it just like fucks with people's minds or it's the government doing it. And I, I think someone mentions, like, oh, could it be governmental or could it be like a terrorist attack? Yeah. I wish he had gone with that idea because it would have made way more sense. And the beginning is a little, it's kind of harrowing when you see bodies flying off of construction sites and then it's like the bodies twitching on the ground. Like it's kind of freaky. Mm-hmm. And then it just takes everything away when you find out why. It's like, oh man. That is yeah, so that, anticlimactic. Yeah, that cold open before you sort of discover it is probably the best part of this. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild because right? they're, they're walking in Central Park and you, you hear the screams and it kind of sets you up. Like, oh shit, like some, something's going to, something big is coming this way. And then, you know, you see the, I think the cop shoots himself, the cabbie shoots himself, and then the the bodies start flying off of the construction site, the, the building. And... But yeah, that's pretty, you know, if you've, if you've been, if you've worked in a major city and, you know, there's scaffolding or whatever, I, I could imagine seeing that and that would, it would probably ruin my day, I'd say. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure it would ruin uh, the people who fell. It would ruin their day as well. But yeah, and it's, it's cool. 
And then the the movie loses me in the next scene where you see Mark Wahlberg as a science teacher. Yeah. There's there's that's not true. (laughs) Come on, movie. Can we talk about how the way he acts as the science teacher feels for some reason feels very much like where Andy Sandberg got that character from? Yeah. For Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) His delivery in that entire scene is basically that character. But does any does anyone have any suggestions? Come on, guys. Someone's got to have something. You gotta love science. Yeah. It's, uh, doesn't anyone care about the bees? I'll start off. I I have seen this one movie once before, and yeah, everything that Dan said. This is this this isn't the worst movie we've ever covered, but it might be the stupidest movie we've ever covered. Yeah. <laughs> and we covered movie, Love on the Leash. This movie is dumb. I don't get it. Uh, the whole scene, the whole scene with him acting as a science teacher, it feels like the gym teacher is filling in for somebody on maternity <laughs> leave. Oh, that's good. Cause Mark Wahlberg, it, he seems so uncomfortable pretending to be to know that he knows science. You know, <laughs> the I this whole movie is people staring at trees. I don't really know what to say. He says. We have to just keep ahead of the wind. And then there's a scene where people are trying to outrun wind. It's... Yeah. yeah. And as a science teacher, you should know that you that, that's impossible. It's it's just ridiculous. And then I think one of the problems with it, there's a lot of problems with this movie. Um, one of the problems is that the movie feels like it's trying to be like a, a send up of 50s monster movies. And I'm pretty sure that's what, M. Night Shyamalan came about after this movie bombed. It's like, oh, well, it's supposed to be like, you know, it's supposed to be like the, the thing or the the blob, you know, something like that. Mark Wahlberg did not get that memo. No. He's, pl- <laughs> he's delivering every line so earnestly. Like, <laughs> the what? No. When he's in the house, it's just the, there's the, the scene where he's doing the scientific method trying to figure out. Yeah how to help people that are killing themselves and they all just wind up killing themselves in the time it takes them to figure it out. It's, it's no one told him, Hey, this is a wink at the camera type of movie. And maybe no one told M. Night Shyamalan until he watched it after everyone hated it. I was like, Oh, I inadvertently made a comedy. I didn't even realize that I'm going to pretend like that was my plan the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, the, The most comfortable Mark Wahlberg seemed in this movie is when he was shitting on that kid. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I I think some people were doing different movies. You know, like because Mark because Anthony's right. Wahlberg's taking it too seriously, and uh, Deschanel is. I think she's trying to be more dramatic. You know, I, like because she has that storyline where she cheated on him, which she didn't even cheat on him with. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the whole big thing. Like she went and had tiramisu with some guy. Yeah. Like oh wow, you you harlot you, how dare you. And it's like she it's like it's really eating her up. And it's mm-hmm. like that this fits nowhere in the movie. I I think she's just on coding the entire time throughout this movie. Yeah. She's sleepwalking. Right. Yeah, it, it's she she's she's in a different movie than Mark Wahlberg is in, and then everyone else encompassing this movie is in the movie that I think they're supposed to be in. Sure. And it's just it's all of these people fighting against your main characters, I think. And mm-hmm. it's very jarring. You 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 introduce a weird storyline with this a crazy woman f- 
far too late into this movie. Mm-hmm. Right? It's in the last act of the movie, essentially. Yeah. Where you, you get the the crazy shut in. You get two. You you kill two kids, and there's <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, they, he, he kills two kids off, and it's immediately forgotten, right? Yep. It, you would think that watching two children blown away would be a cause for some type of emotional scene afterwards. Yeah. Nope. It's just you know, on to the next house. One of those kids getting his head blown off like oh. JFK. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, and you see the hole in his head essentially. It's it's not like right on. But you see a giant red spot, yeah. And like, holy shit, you know, like that's that's you you don't see that very often, even in horror movies. Even in horror movies, you don't see kids get killed that often. Yeah. It, like, you gotta let that scene breathe, mm-hmm. and he it's just on to the next scene. Yeah. It's like he wanted to make the mist. That's pretty good. Yeah. And he's like, well, what if we do it where you don't see the mist, and then you don't tell your actors that. I don't know. I don't know what you don't tell your actors on the set of The Mess to make this movie. <laughs> and, and, you know, like everyone everyone always jokes about that one Wahlberg scene where he's talking to the the um the rubber tree plant. Yeah. Or the the uh, the rubber plant or the plastic plant. And to me, like yeah, that's awful. I'm not going to say it's not, but I don't even think that's his worst worst bit of acting in this movie. No. Because like some one of you mentioned, I think it was you Ant, where He's talking to the crazy lady, and she's like, you're going to rob me and kill me. I know. And what? No. <laughs> that right there. He delivers that... it like he was totally planning to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like he just That's got caught. exactly my plan. Right. <laughs> like he's got the knife raised over his head, <laughs> and she turns around quickly, and he's just hiding it behind his back. Like, Whoa, whoops. That no. scene's terrible. The scene where they're trying to convince the people to let them in the house is terrible. Oh, he starts singing. Um, shit, what is he singing? Oh, black water, keep on <laughs> yeah. rolling. And he sings totally off key. Like, that's so odd. That well, doesn't he's more of a rapper key. anyway. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> but if if I if there's a, a, a catastrophe going on outside and a man starts to sing that song, <laughs> that gives me even more of a reason to not let you in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Just. <laughs> Do anything one, but start singing. One thing I wanted to bring up, because we were talking about movies that, I don't even remember if it was on the podcast, it might have been off after. We were talking about movies that are being called misogynist, like Ghostbusters or something like that. This movie spends the better part of the first half hour of it before you meet the female lead, making sure you dislike her. And I don't understand why. Before Zoe Deschanel is on screen. We get a whole scene of John Leguizamo telling Mark Wahlberg that he knew from the day he married her that she was not going to be the right fit for him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he just shits all over uh, Zoe. And, and he's again, such an asshole to her when they meet up. Right, and and again, it's for such... Like, first time watching this, you might think, like, wow, you know, she's she must be like an ice queen or something. And... The, the, again, the reason they give you is because she went with a coworker to get dessert. Yeah. I, I, okay, I get it. Maybe she thought about doing it, but that's such a harmless act. Yeah. Right? Is, is it worth John Leguizamo's ire? Hardly. And she's not that bad of a person in this movie. She's just, she's even texting this guy, you know, like, you can't 
you can't call me. What we did was a mistake. Mm-hmm. So she's not leaving this on. So yeah. again, I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's there's really no reason to hate her. Yeah, and it's like he he doesn't even know that little fact about her. Her. That's true. He just doesn't like her, and he makes it known. And as as the audience, we're led to believe that there's no reason not to think he's telling us the truth or you know he's we're assuming he's a good judge of character in this and that we should dislike zoe deschanel in this guy in this movie before we've even met her and then when we meet her she's getting phone calls from another guy (laughs) right and and again it it, i think when when you see that you're like oh man she's cheating on mark Wahlberg. i get it and then when you find out why it's it, it doesn't equal out yeah you know again if she's if she's having an affair Sure, I get it. She's she's a not a good person, but yeah, man, it's you you gotta you gotta give me more of a reason to not like a person. Yeah, because for the rest of the movie, there's there has been no reason to no. not like her. I don't know yeah, why we she, we're supposed to get off on such a bad foot with our female lead, but this movie makes sure we do. She she doesn't argue with him, right? She doesn't give him a hard time no. about anything. No. she's the, very agreeable. Yeah. They just make a mention that she doesn't want to have kids until he learns how to grow up. Which is probably true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's Mark Wahlberg we're talking about here. Right. And it's just guys in general. I, like, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be that person. But a lot of guys are immature. And that's definitely a thing where we need to grow up a little bit before we we get serious about things. Yeah. And if there's if there's something worse than Boston Mark Wahlberg, it's Philly Mark Wahlberg. So, yeah, you know, he's got to be a piece of shit. <laughs> well, Boston Mark Wahlberg almost killed a man. So, but <laughs> I mean, uh, it, Philly Mark Wahlberg probably threw batteries at Santa Claus. Probably. <laughs> or murdered Hitchbot. Either, either way. you want to. Oh, he, he definitely did something to a Hitchbot. <laughs> you saw Hitchbot on the road needing assistance and he just kind of. Maybe threw something at it and walked. Beat it like a Vietnamese immigrant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mark Wahlberg, for all intents and purposes, not a great guy. No. I don't think we're really breaking news here. Yeah. So, The Happening from 2008 is directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who you know from Sixth Sense, Signs, Unbreakable, Waving the Water, The Village, all those movies that have up and down, basically. (laughs) Diminishing returns, we'll say. How great would it be if uh, this podcast was the one that got Wahlberg removed from the spotlight? Like just some <laughs> random guys listening, like, wait a minute, Mark Wahlberg beat up uh, an immigrant, almost killed him? <laughs> just starts trending. Stars Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, John Leguizamo, Ashlyn Sanchez, Betty Buckley, Spencer Breslin, and Robert Bailey Jr. As an IMDb score of 5.0 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 17%. Budget, $48 million. Box office, $64 million domestic. But if you compare it to Signs, Signs made $227 million domestic. The Village made 114 So not quite where Shyamalan is used to pulling. Yeah, I think the most arrogant credit in that whole thing is that Shyamalan credits himself as the guy on the phone that Deschanel is cheating with. Yeah, that's his little, that's his cameo as the voice of Joey. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Dick, like we care. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I I didn't know that. I honestly didn't know that. And now that I do it, it makes I couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah. But that added nothing. Yeah. You guys want to get into the plot? Yeah. Good. 
Dan, what do you got? Okay, uh, just going to give a quick shout out to the Top Ten with Tia. That is a podcast that we all love on this podcast. It's uh, our good friend Tia and her friend uh, Brittany discussing Top Ten lists, a weekly podcast. And you could follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. And you could check out some of her work on Geek Vibes Nation. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. And we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parley of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parley Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Uh, Earl, why don't you tell them about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you epic. could tell them about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell them Do about I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot for The Happening. We open on clouds. Lots and lots of clouds, which is the perfect way for this nonsense movie to open up, because we're about to stare at a lot of things that do nothing of interest. We cut to Central Park on a usual warm weather day. Two women sit on a park bench as one notices that people are all around them or having stopped moving. She mentions that some people look like they're clawing at themselves. Her friend then takes a hairpin out of her hair and stabs herself in the neck. Three blocks away, some construction workers are making jokes on company time. Must be a union. And then a guy <laughs> comes falling off the building. As they call for an ambulance, another guy jumps. Then a third, a fourth, a fifth. Then just a bunch more people. Some of the which I don't even think were real workers. Then we cut to Philadelphia High School where Mark Wahlberg pretends that he's a science teacher. <laughs> I love that M. Night Shyamalan, despite being a famous Philadelphia director, could not get an actual Philadelphia High School name to go along with this movie. Just <laughs> right. Philadelphia High School. He's talking to his students about the lowering bee population. Then calls out the dumb pretty kid because he doesn't have an answer to why the bee population is shrinking. And then the kid gives the right answer about it being a complete mystery because that's how M. Night Shyamalan's going to eventually write himself out of concluding this film. Vice principal then comes in and puts Wahlberg out, pulls Wahlberg out of the classroom. As they walk down the hall, he notices that all the teachers have been called into the auditorium. Then Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off makes the announcement that there's been a terrorist attack on Central Park, some sort of bioterrorism event, and they dismiss the school for the day. At times, it feels like Shyamalan just gets people because people know their face. Like, there's sure. no reason to have that actor do that scene. You could have sure. gotten, like, anybody. Or how about Dante from Clerks playing yeah. the guy in the Jeep? Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like did, did they do it for scale? Like, I doubt it. Like, that's probably just, that's probably what it is. Probably scale day, day, pay, day rate. Yeah. Something, yeah, I, I guess. 
but it was just that was the first thing I thought when when he showed up. It was like, like, what's that phone call like? <laughs> just, hey man, are you free on this day? Mm-hmm. You know. Wahlberg, who's playing Elliot, dismisses his class, and then Julian, played by John Leguizamo, comes in and says that his mom is telling him to get out of the city and come stay with her in central Pennsylvania. He invites Elliot and his wife Alma to come with them. Wahlberg talks to his wife Alma on the phone and tells her they were offered a place to stay and that they should go take them up on the offer. Then he meets back up with Julian, and Elliot tells Julian that Alma has been acting weird. Then Julian tells Elliot that he knew his wife was going to divorce him the day they got married. It's a great friend to tell, tell him that. Yeah. At home, Alma is watching the news, and she keeps getting calls from someone named Joey, which she doesn't answer. Elliot comes home, and she tells him that they've evacuated New York City. The report says that there's a neurotoxin that is blocking neurotransmitters that prevent people from killing themselves. So basically, we're basically microscopic level away from killing ourselves all the time, apparently. How did they figure that out so quickly? Autopsies? But... That's pretty quick. Usually yeah. with, you know... Tox screens take six weeks, according to CSI Miami. <laughs> right. Unless you bribe the 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 guy, right? You give yeah. him some uh, cigarettes? Is that what they do? <laughs> yes. Oh, it's, it's, these are jail scientists. Did I say six <laughs> weeks? I meant six minutes. <laughs> uh, at 30th Street Station, Elliot and Alma meet up with Julian and his daughter. Julian says that his wife is going to meet them there because she was out doing something. Julian barely puts on a face other than disdain for Alma, uh, which makes Alma upset, and she goes ahead and sits on the train by herself. They all eventually get on the train. Greenhouse Park, the wind picks up and everyone stops moving. Then a cop shoots himself in the head, and then a chain of people pick up the same gun and shoot themselves in the head as well. On the train, Alma calls the guy, this guy Joey to tell him to stop calling her. He tells her that they the attack just hit Philly, and soon the news starts to move down the train as other people get that same news. Julian tries to get a hold of his wife, but he can't hear her over the crowded train, so she texts him to tell him that she's got on a bus to Princeton. She's going in the wrong direction, as far as I know. Another passenger, unless, I guess, unless they live outside of Philadelphia, further in, further I, east. I think we'll get to it. I don't know if it's in your notes, but I think Jen Likazamo has my signature favorite throwaway lines as though why she was going to Princeton later no. in the movie. Yeah, he's, he sort of goes, well, he's going to go get her a birthday gift. Yeah. The kid. And that's it. Another pa- passenger mentions that the report says that they think the attack started in Rittenhouse Square Park. The train eventually stops in the middle of nowhere. Filbert, Pennsylvania, to be specific, which in reality is a six road town west of Pittsburgh and no train stops there. The conductors all congregate talking to each other, and Mark Wahlberg says, not on my watch. So he goes to figure out what is going on. They tell him that they've lost radio contact with everyone. They go into a diner to wait for more information. Julian has to go get some milk for some reason and leaves his daughter with Elliot, who talks to her about mood rings and how different energy gives off different colors. And the woman next to Elliot taps him on the shoulder to show him a video on her brand new original iPhone. And it's from the Philly Zoo, where a worker goes into the lion enclosure and just lets tigers tear him to pieces, which is possibly the silliest moment in this movie. (laughs) Because <laughs> the CG does not hold up. And that's saying something in this movie. Yeah. And Julian watches it, watches that same video on some guy's Zune or something. Because uh, <laughs> it's 2008, everybody. Shyamalan trying to make sure he's, he gets at least one of the winners. <laughs> in that Hedging's race. bet. Yeah. Uh, later, they wheel out a TV for a news report that says that it might not be a terrorist attack. Smaller and smaller cities are being attacked now. 
everyone decides that the longer they stay in town, the more likely they all are to die. So everyone piles out of the diner and drives off, leaving them, leaving Al, Elliot and everybody else without a ride. But a family in a station wagon pulls up and offers Elliot and Alma a ride. Julian tells Elliot that he hasn't been able to get a hold of his wife for a few hours, so he found someone that was headed towards Jersey and offered him to ri- a ride to Princeton to find her. He leaves his daughter in the hands of Alma and Elliot and sends some real cryptic shit to Alma before he leaves. <laughs> and then the station wagon couple take Elliot and Alma to their home so they could pick up some supplies before they head out. He tells Alma, like, if you take my kid's hand, you better mean it or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Don't right? take my kid's hand unless you mean it. Oh, uh, yeah. So like, that's code for I'm not coming back. Yeah. But he was also like, is still the disdain on his face. Right, I'm surprised he actually let her yeah. anywhere near his Don't daughter. touch my fucking kid. <laughs> right. You, you harlot. <laughs> that's a, that's the word of the day. It, yeah. That needs to be used more often, I think. I think so. Is it just everybody. Or hussy. Hussy is yeah. a good one, too. Yeah, that, that's something that's kind of lost. It's been lost in the lexicon of uh, of uh, sayings, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I get what he was trying to portray there. Like, I'm, I'm entrusting you, but it's like, I thought he hated her. It doesn't come off that way at all to me. It comes off like he hates her. And yeah, like yeah. he would rather give he'd rather give his daughter to everybody else on the planet, but he's stuck doing this with her. So she better mean it. That's how it came off to me. Uh, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I the way that I saw it was basically he he was he was trusting her even though he didn't like her. But it just it didn't make sense because he doesn't like her. So why would he even allow it? In my opinion, I don't know. It I'm makes no sense dies. to me. I'm glad he dies, to be honest with you. Yeah, he dies pretty quickly, too. It's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. He dies before... in, like, a really shitty way, you know? Yeah. It was all before he could confess his love for Mark Wahlberg's character. <laughs> That's what it comes off like. It's, it's yeah. a, a very... There's homosexual undertones there. Yeah, I, would, I definitely would have liked to have seen John Leguizamo die in a little bit more of a uh, creative way. Right, because I, you know, the way he kills himself is very serious. Obviously, he slits his wrist. But you, you have, you have guys laying in front of uh, lawnmowers, just getting shredded, walking into a tiger cage. That's pretty awesome. And he just kind of, he like sits in the middle of the road and cuts himself. Yeah. Come on, do be be better, be better. <laughs> so the station wagon couple take Elliot and Alma to their home so they pick up some supplies before they head out. They have a greenhouse, which they walk through. The guy that owns the house says he thinks it's the plants because plants are able to release toxins. Meanwhile, Julian is driving with Dante from Clerks as they drive through the suburbs and past a bunch of landscapers that have hung themselves in the trees. That's who that was, Dante. I, I remembered. Yeah. I don't think you ever actually see his face in full. You see it just in glimpses, but it's him. Yeah. Brian O'Halloran. Yeah. How does he not say I was I was uh, supposed to be off today? I'm not even supposed was, to be here. I'm not even supposed to be here today. He is going into Jersey, though. That makes That's sense. true. He was going into work. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to open the, the quick, the quick stop. stop. <laughs> One of the passengers freaks out at the sight of the guys hanging from trees. So Julian tries to calm her down by taking her mind off it and busy her with math problems. Julian then notices that there's a hole in the canvas roof of the Jeep they're driving in, so it's not airtight. And rather than do anything about it, Julian just stares at it. And then sure enough, Dante drives right into a tree. He stares at it forever. Yep. He definitely yeah. had enough time to try to at least cover it, but yep. it's already he's like basically oh, well, we're fucked, so might as well not even try here. 
in this day and age, post-pandemic, wearing masks, there is not an attempt in this movie to ever cover your mouth so you don't breathe in toxins, except for those two old ladies in the montage that have gas masks. That's yeah. right. Yeah, they're, they're the only ones shown wearing some type of facial covering. Yeah, which, you know... <laughs> Why didn't you think about that, science teacher? <laughs> well, you, you didn't want to be seen as a, a soy boy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, can't tell me what to do. Right, that's, well, yeah, listen, there's a deadly thing going on, but my freedoms, so yeah. Yeah. suck it. So, sure enough, Dante drives right into a tree, then Julian gets out of the crashed car, sits in the middle of the road, and then slits his wrists with bl- broken glass. Elliot and Alma are back with the station wagon couple and Julian's daughter in the car, they come across a country road with a whole bunch of bodies strewn about the road, so they change direction to get away from it. At a fork in the road, they come across a private from the army base, saying the army base got hit. Then a couple more cars come from other directions. All of them have similar stories coming from all directions, so they all decide that the safest place is right where they are. As they try and figure out what to do, a woman gets on the phone with her daughter in Princeton. The daughter says that everyone is dead. And then the daughter kills herself with her last words being calculus, which is unfortunate. <laughs> the last thing you're thinking of. <laughs> my my homework. Yep. Elliot goes off to be alone and cries. Julian's daughter goes to comfort him and they cry together. And then Alma just cries from a distance. <laughs> Later, the station wagon guy talks to Alma about what he believes. He says the plants have an incredible ability to evolve and attack predators by releasing toxins that attract predators of their predators. So it's entirely possible that it is plants. Elliot goes to talk to the military guy, and they figure out that the small, that smaller and smaller populations are being affected. So the plan is to find a remote location to keep their numbers down and ride it out. A realtor from the local area points them in the direction of a town called Arendelle, which is also the name of the kingdom in Frozen, by the way. Which Jen wouldn't made be... sure to say that. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be on the larger maps and to split into smaller groups to keep the numbers down. So the big group is split into two smaller ones, and they go off to walk it. During this walk, Alma confesses that she had dessert with a guy named Joey, and but that was it. And that's that's it. That's the whole dramatic thing about Alma. Eventually, the one group led by the private stops because the wind picks up, and he shoots himself in the head. On the other side of the hill, Elliot and Alma's group hear gunshots and realize that the other group is killing themselves. So everyone yells at Elliot to do something. But he needs time to do calculations, which consists of Mark Wahlberg just reciting the scientific method. As everybody gets tired of waiting for him and decides to go try and help everybody else, Elliot decides that it's the plants and the plants are targeting smaller and smaller groups. He then says, we have to stay ahead of the wind. So we get a scene of people trying to outrun wind. And if you think it's as dramatic as it sounds, it most certainly is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If if think about it, if you're if you're in that group with the, and one of the guys says we have to outrun the wind, what stops you from just saying fuck you, dude? We can't do that. <laughs> it's like that's physically impossible, man. Right. Like, yeah. Why doesn't any? I mean, granted, he's with two kids, so that might be why. <laughs> Probably. It's like, oh, okay, Mister, you, you got it. But yeah, if rational people would just be like so we're dead then is that what you're telling me because we, we're, we're not doing that elliot alma and jess wind up with a couple of kids in tow including spencer breslin they make it to a model home and look for supplies and devise a plan to make it to arendelle and elliot talks to a plastic plant 
as they leave the model home, they see other groups of people coming into the neighborhood. But there's too many of these people, and they are affected by the toxin, including one guy that turns on a lawnmower and then lays down in front of it. The group of five set out on foot. They eventually come across a farm with portable radio sitting on a fence. Try to get a radio announcement, but it cuts off before it finishes. They eventually make it to the farmhouse that looks abandoned. Spencer Breslin says he could break down the door. Before he does, they realize that there are people inside. They try and convince the people inside that they mean them no harm. Meanwhile, Spencer Breslin keeps trying to break down the door. Then, people inside shoot him in the chest with a rifle and then the black kid in the head. And then Jess runs off. Alma and Elliot chase after them. Yeah, those kids get brutalized. Oh, yeah. It's pretty bad. It's slow motion, too. Yeah. Mark, well, even with Mark Wahlberg, no! Yep. Yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very harrowing. And uh, then they just kind of like, that's it. Yep. <laughs> Is that him practicing what he would have done on the airplanes on 9-11? <laughs> right. No, because it happens there. And yeah. he was there. <laughs> Right. Not on his watch, bro. <laughs> it wouldn't have gone down like that, but it did go down like that. We then get a montage of people watching the news across the country, reacting in a very familiar way to the news, as we learned this year. They come across another house that looks abandoned, so Elliot goes to investigate, finds an old woman sitting on the porch, very protective of her lemon drink, and then she begrudgingly offers them to stay for dinner. Why does she do it? Because she's Christian, right? Does she Is say that? that? I, th- I thought no, she, she gave a reason. I, I think her thing was like, I guess I got to ask you to stay for food, huh? Or something I, like that. It, yeah. for, for some reason, maybe I'm just imagining that, but I thought, it was like, yeah, it's like the Christian thing to do. I don't remember. Possible. It sounds like something that would be said. Right. I don't remember. At dinner, the old woman mentions that there is a spring house in the back of the property, which they used to hide runaway slaves back in the 1800s. It has a tube to speak through the wall that goes underground. It's like 50 feet away, but it sounds like you're right next to somebody. And then the old woman's mood changes and seems inconvenienced by their presence. She wants to know nothing about what's going on in the world, but she lets them stay the night. But then she also accuses them of plotting against her to kill her in her sleep. And that's when we get Mark Wahlberg saying, what? No, <laughs> I'm totally not going to do that. <laughs> it, it's such an unnecessary plot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and I think this scene is stronger and it plays better if she's super nice instead of being a crazy like hag. Sure. You know, because then because then you care about her. Like, oh, this sweet woman. She, she's helping Mark Wahlberg. She's helping our heroes out. But no, she's super mean. And you think that she's pro- you're probably safer outside than inside with her. Right. But like nothing comes of it, you know? Yeah. Not 100% sure why she's got to be a crazy old lady. Right. Yeah, make, make her nice. There's no reason. You, you kind of start off on that foot. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to uh, I don't want to know what's going on out there, but I'll, I'll let you guys stay. Because yeah. that's the, it's the neighborly thing to do. But yeah, it's just like, well, I guess you got to stay. Well, not really. The, the last house we were at, they literally killed two kids. So yeah, you don't you don't have to let us stay. In a better disaster movie, it would be like they wake up in the morning and they're like, it's not safe in this house anymore. You need yes. to come with us. And she'll be like, I've lived in this house for 50 years and there's nothing going to take me away from this house. I'm going to die in this house. And surely My... she does. My husband, Henry, built this house with his own hands, and I'll be damned if I have to leave Henry behind. And yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. That's And then, like, they're running away, and the next thing you see is just uh, this lady walk out into the front porch, blow her head off. 
Yeah. Or however you, you want to kill her. <laughs> That's just Hold, holding her wedding photo. Yes, with with Henry and I'm just assuming his name is Henry. It sounds like a nice old name. Yeah. And uh, yeah, or she does like the the, uh, the omen style. It's all for you, Henry. And she just jumps off the roof and hangs herself, yeah. I guess. Or she just takes like she goes out on her terms, just swallows a whole bunch of pills. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a bad way to go. But it's up to the plants. The plants yep. tell you how to kill yourself. In the morning, Elliot wakes up to an empty house. He goes looking for everyone and winds up finding a scary-ass doll. And the old lady catches him and accuses him of trying to steal her shit. She tells him they all need to leave, and she storms out of the house. He goes to try and talk some sense into her, but the wind picks up and she stops walking dead in her tracks. Elliot runs back inside. The old lady winds up smashing her head into several windows. Elliot is forced to hide in the bathroom with a towel against the door. He faintly hears Alma's voice and goes to investigate, and he finds the pipe to the spring house and realizes that Alma and Jess are in the spring house. He calls to her through the pipe and tells her to shut the windows and doors, and she says, why? This might be the most <laughs> frustrating thing in this entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, deadly pandemic. <laughs> oh, right, the gas. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reason to hate her, I guess. <laughs> It's like, what do you mean, why? What have we been dealing with for the past 24 hours, woman? Yeah, she was just so taken aback by the, the, the rustic charm of this house <laughs> that she just plain forgot about all the death outside. <laughs> just hunting for frogs in the spring house. Right, and, and why did she go outside anyway with the kid? Yeah, I guess the, at that point they were not expecting it to get to the point where two people can cause these toxins to release. But it's not a good move. Yeah. No. Despite the fact that she asks why, they do eventually close the doors and windows. And this is basically what they've come to realize is the last stand of sorts. Someone's probably going to die is what they figured. So they talk to each other through the pipe, talking about the mood ring and how it was the icebreaker in their religion, relationship, religion, relationship. And the corniest line ever, what color was love, comes out. And neither of them remember. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Elliot decides that if he dies, he can't die without Alma, so he steps out of the house in order to make his way to her. And then she does the same with Jess, which I thought, you could leave her in the house. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of food for her to survive for a little yeah. while. Like maybe but, don't don't send this girl out to die with you. Right. But, but also, you didn't have to do it. I mean, it's not going to be windy the entire day. Right? Yeah, I mean, no. the wind doesn't just constantly blow. Maybe he's just over it. He's like, I'm <laughs> fucking tired of this. I can't keep running. If it's going to um, get me, it's going to get me, and I'm going to die with the woman that I've been married to, but we have a strained relationship with. Okay, that makes more sense. Cause <laughs> I, I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, and he's just like, this is going to be it, you know? This is this is how it ends. And I'm just like, well, you could just wait for the wind to die down, and then reunite, and you'll be okay. Yeah. But I get it. You know, it's just like you don't know how long you're going to be stuck here. You're just tired of it all. I want to yeah. kill this kid. I get it. <laughs> What's the best way to kill off this kid? Because she's become a real <laughs> that burden. That was his plan. He's <laughs> like, oh, man, I'm really not ready for a kid, let alone a six-year-old. What what a better what better way than to just get rid of some baggage? It's like, hey, listen, there's a, a deadly pandemic going around. Whoops, there goes the kid. Not my fault. <laughs> it's the plants. The plants killed the kid, not me. Wink. It's the wind picks dark. up. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> the wind picks up and they meet each other in the field, but nothing happens. They both go into the house and they wait it out. And then as we fade out, we get an ADR line of just Mark Wahlberg saying, I guess it was over before we got there, before we walked outside. Just M. Night Shyamalan just wiping his hands of it, <laughs> explaining it away. And that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> Yep. And then we cut to three months later. Jess is starting school back up, and she has been adopted by Alma and Elliot. On the news, experts are trying to explain the event, basically coming to the conclusion that the dumb kid said in the beginning of the movie that it can't be explained. Thanks, M. Knight. <laughs> but <laughs> they say it's because where the disease. That's the point of this whole movie. Where the real Walking Dead? It's yeah. Thanos was right, essentially. Yeah. And then Alma takes a pregnancy test, and she's pregnant. And she waits for Elliot walking down the street, her wearing a pair of cargo flood pants and Elliot wearing a pair of jeans two sizes too long. <laughs> the mid-2000s, baby. And then, in the greatest waste of money, M. Night Shyamalan flew the entire production out to Paris to film the scene, what is essentially the same scene as the Central Park scene from the beginning, as the happening occurs there now, too. And then we fade out. And that's the end of the happening. Kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. Like you said, it's dumb. It's it's pretty stupid. It's pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> it was definitely one of those movies where M. Night thought it was much more profound than it actually was. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way I felt about Iron Sky, where there's this message at the end of this movie that this movie does not earn. Mm-hmm. This whole where the disease. And it's like, well, what's your point? Right. <laughs> What what's the resolution that you've decided? Why are we the, first of all? Why are we the, we the disease? Because it's not there's nothing about this movie that's like oh see this is how bad people treat this is how bad people treat each other you know it's true yeah yeah I mean the opening shot is people you know just enjoying a sunny day together no one's yeah. you know no one's cutting down the trees yeah it's not no like those two girls are shooting black tar heroin on the <laughs> on that park bench and then it's like oh well yeah we are the disease and he has the golden opportunity in the very in the opening shot of the movie because he shows clear blue skies baby why not show us a uh a power plant just belching toxic fumes into the the air you know what i'm saying like a factory just, yeah. Like the the river is choked with plastic. We get it then. Like, yeah, we suck. That yeah. makes more sense. But yeah, just saying we're the disease and not. And even at the end, they really don't come to the conclusion of that. Right. Just be like, hey, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Could be anything. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the end of. Have you ever seen Burn After Reading? I was just watching that. That was one of the yeah. movies I watched. Where J.K. Simmons is just being debriefed of all the events that have happened. He's like, well, we learned not to do it again. Right. What we did, I have no idea, but we know not to do it again. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it was such a series of just strange happenstance. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's literally all you can take from that from that movie. It's just like, well, this will never... The, the chances of this happening again are just so slim that we just know, okay, well, we, we just won't let this happen. Here, it's something happens... We don't know why. That's it. Yep. <laughs> That's, just give us more. Show, yeah. show, don't tell, you know? Yeah. It. This movie lacks a thesis statement. Yes. That's basically it's, what's wrong with it. <laughs> especially coming from the main character who is a science teacher. Yeah. Yeah. 
What a dumb movie. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, like, I honestly, you you see this movie and you think this should have ruined someone's career. Someone yeah. should not have bounced back from this. And they kept giving M Night money. Just yeah. do it again. Yeah. I mean, Zoe Deschanel got a sitcom out of it for yeah. six years. Yeah, she she got the best deal out of this. Well, I mean, Wahlberg went on to do other movies, obviously. Yeah. But everyone walked away, like, generally unscathed. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I think, the, I think Hot Dog Guy probably suffered the most. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think this movie does improve if you replace the, the actor, the lead actor, with somebody that seems to be if if this movie was truly made as a wink because mark Wahlberg is not understanding that but i i think replacing him with somebody that is in on the joke um would be a, a lot better yeah, and doing it more maybe it was too late for him but keeping it on the more sl- like well-known side you could have had someone like a maybe like a matthew broderick you Ooh. know that could have been i don't like that pick i gotta be honest <laughs> with you mark no don't like it Nope. I, I was thinking uh, he was he's too old for for yeah, it. at that point. No, no, not not Matthew Broderick, but someone who would be good at being in on the joke, I thought. But it, again, he was too old for this. Like someone like like Michael Keaton, I would like to have seen. But again, he's too old. You, you can't yeah. have him be with, you know, Zoe Deschanel. I don't know. Maybe like a John C. Riley. We can't also, Mark, we can't we can't upgrade from a guy that almost killed a Vietnamese immigrant to a guy that actually did kill kill someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's That's true. But it it wasn't an immigrant, I guess. Right. Um, It was I mean, it was somebody in a different country. So it was a it was a person from the home their homeland. He did kill them on their soil. So (laughs) I guess that's a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, Fuck you, Matthew Broderick. That's what we're saying. Yeah. I, I remember, just as a quick little side note, I remember, you know, when I was younger, having seen Matthew Broderick in some movies, like, oh, I, you know, I don't mind Matthew Broderick. And then I heard what he did, and just immediately, I don't like this man at all. And I still stand by that today. So I, I second Anthony's take on <laughs> fuck Matthew Broderick. I got nothing else to say about this movie. Anybody else? What a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> Fuck you, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> That's what I took away from this movie. We're, we're nothing if not consistent. That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, do I have anything else to say about this? Um, you know, it's, it's not unwatchable. I'll yes. I was going to say I recommend you watch it at least once. Yeah. And just yeah. for fun. That's it. Like I. I didn't hate myself while watching this. It moves pretty quick. It's only 90 minutes, which is awesome. Yeah, yes. it, it's mercifully short. It doesn't it doesn't wear its welcome. It's it's watchable. It's entirely watchable, I'll say. And, and it doesn't do what Lady in the Water does, where Shyamalan tries to introduce this whole lore, mm-hmm. and it just it falls so flat. It's so uninteresting. At least this, it just it gives you it it, it moves from point A to point B pretty straightforward it, it doesn't really throw too many weird twists and turns at you it's very simple yeah very simple story almost to its own fault again if it, if they had done anything other than the plants i think it works yeah uh government aliens extraterrestrial just like a, a natural like some weird phenomena not the fucking like he has some Shyamalan has some weird fetish for just like the natural world being the problem 
right? Because yeah. in signs, it's water. That's that's what the aliens are weak to. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Yeah. That's so I, dumb. It's like at the end of the day, we're just wa- we're looking at landscape shots of trees just blowing in the wind. Right. And it's not, <laughs> as Mark said, it's not profound in any sort of way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it read like somebody had saw, read one article on Wikipedia about plant toxins and then right. decided to write an entire movie about it. Yeah, this Shyamalan probably like, sure. they could do that. Holy shit! Sure, or it's like <laughs> it's like if they did shot the whole movie and they made the cut and then they ran out of money when they were supposed to CGI what the actual monster was supposed to be and it was like shit. Well, it's the trees that. <laughs> uh, bird boxes entered the chat. Yeah. Uh, uh, we don't know what it is. Uh, close your eyes. It is a pretty genius way of making a movie pretty cheap. Although this movie did, what what was it? Like 40-something million dollars? Come on now. $48 million. That's a lot of money. That is a most lot. of that was Mark Wahlberg's salary. Yeah, he uh, probably got like 20 of it. The scene of the guy getting to- torn apart by lions was yeah. another 10. Yeah. <laughs> and then that trip to Paris was probably like $8 million. Although it was probably shot with second unit unit to be honest every, uh, every everybody else was paid scale right <laughs> yeah that's why alan ruck is in it for our 10 seconds <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a, a very weird allocation of money <laughs> all right you guys want to plug your shit so we can get out of here yeah let's do that for sure uh at the aquino uh 122 is my twitter handle you follow us on uh, you know, I totally skipped that. Uh, also, Stranger Damies, that we haven't played in a while, so I'm a little rusty. But uh, we stream on Twitch every, you know, like every other Friday. Check the Twitter at Stranger Damies, and uh, we'll, we'll give you, we'll let you know when we're playing and when the episodes come out. And uh, that's it. Yeah. So the uh, uh, as as Dan said, the episodes uh, usually come out every other Wednesday. Um, but just keep an eye out for the live sessions because they sometimes float around. Uh, they're supposed to be every other Friday, but you know it's the summer and like thing ha- things happen, so um, we might be able to juggle those around. Um, so just uh, stick to the Twitter. Um, we also stream video games on the Twitch.tv slash Game Vault Pod um, five nights a week. Uh, we do uh, Apex uh, Legends on Wednesdays. I'm doing a playthrough of Paper Mario on Thursdays. Um, Saturday might turn into my, um, just playing Mass Effect, um, and Saturday afternoons or some large chunk of time on a Saturday. Sunday is Dan of the Wild, Dan playing through Breath of the Wild. Monday is our retro stream, where Tom either plays a retro game from our retro roulette pick, um, or he plays through an old RPG. We're currently playing through Suikoden on the PlayStation 1, and then, um, then we have our podcast, uh, that airs every other Monday, um, the Game Vault podcast. Um, you can find it wherever um, you download um, your shows. And we're on Instagram and Twitter and all socials at Game Vault Pod. Uh, so be sure to check that out. All right, great. And we are They Call This Movie. You can find us at Spreaker just by searching They Call This Movie. We are part of the mainnaming.com. That is our main website. And it's also where you find us on socials. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just look for the main Damien and we'll pop right up. We are available on all podcast streaming apps, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. Uh, we're also a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find that at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps. Just search Geek Vibes Nation and they will pop right up. bunch of great shows, us and a bunch of other 
great ones. If you're into geek stuff, surely a show for you. You can find us on TikTok. They Called Us a Movie has its own yeah. TikTok. You can find that just by searching They Called Us a Movie. And if you have a question, comment, you want to suggest a movie to us, the main naming at gmail.com is there for you. You can also hit us up on Twitter for any suggestions as well. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, the movie was The Happening, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. So, for Dan Aquino, Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio saying, M. Night Shyamalan, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.